This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 125, Hakan vs. Mentak. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. This is this is a big one we got for you today, and and I don't mean episode wise because episode wise is actually quite typical. But <laughs> right here at the top, yeah, we've got a very big thing to talk about, which is we are on the precipice of what were you about to do? What no, song are you about to do? I'm there? still going. I'm, you just uh, this is a backtrack. Okay. So we are we are on the precipice of jumping off of the the precipice is like the side of a cliff so cliff we are cliffside right now we are about to leap deep into the semi-finals of the patreon tournament is that our that's our that's the theme song for the space guys peace turtles semi-finals all right, so we've got two two games coming up this Here weekend we that we want you to watch live on Space Cats Peace Turtles Twitch, and they will be on the YouTube just as cern- soon as I can turn them over. I'm gonna- as soon as we kern, <laughs> as soon as we kern, I'll have them. So game one will be on Saturday, March 14th at 14 o'clock UTC, which is uh, nine o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. 7 o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to go ahead and announce the players uh, that will be in it just to kind of get you get you jazzed. Uh, this one's uh, pretty interesting. We could see uh, Stackgate uh, 2 <laughs> in this one. Uh, and by that, I mean we've got Unfair Hat. We've got Sabian, Luke M, S. Googe. I hope that's right. DeSuga. And the Stackgate King himself ever knew. Did you say S. Gooch? I said Esguge. Okay. Esguge. <laughs> Is that not it? I don't know. Esguge. I just realized it might be Jugs backwards. I don't know. S-G-U-J. Oh, it's backwards Jugs. Okay. <laughs> it's well, backwards let's say Jugs. Duh. We'll call him. His name will be backwards Jugs. <laughs> and then we've also got a second game. Matt, do you want yeah. to announce a second game? A second game for this weekend. It's going to be a, a TI packed weekend. Sunday, March 15th. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And March 15th at 1500 UTC. That's 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. So it's two, two morning games, or what is that? Probably afternoon Euros. Um, all day games. All day really games. Really is what they'll be. Uh, yep. And uh, that one's got Jaybird, Shorty55, Jasper, The Defteris, Cusa, and Mate Nason, which is, uh, yep. man, I, you know, I want to say that's a stacked game, but like, the more we we started to sit down with a list of all of them, they're all stacked. This is a this is a terrifying semifinals uh, yep. coming up. So yeah. I'm I'm super, super excited to get these things underway and to be streaming them finally. I know it's been um, annoying that the prelims weren't streamed, but there's a lot of variables at play there. But now that the semis are a more controlled environment, we can we can actually get these games out to the public. Just some show notes about those streams, what you can expect. 
uh, will be there will be a moderator in each of those games that is just a, a part of the background noise of the game and all the players talking and stuff. Uh, but then Hunter and I will both be commentating uh, those games and we will not have access to the secret information. That's that's kind of par for the course with us being able to stream it. There's no way we can control it enough. You know, the goal is that none of the players will watch the stream. We've, yeah. we've already yeah. talked with all of them. That is part of it. But we're not going to risk it by then also showing all their action cards and letting someone else letting their friend text them. Oh, hey, so and so is Sorrel has a sabotage. So we, we won't have access to any of the secret information. So it'll be very similar to our commentary uh, from the Gen Con video of like us having to kind of assume some things and about their strategy and figure things yeah. out yeah and i mean i'll say this you know me and matt are obviously super geniuses so <laughs> yeah as, it, it as will evidenced be. by our obvious predictions of the con victory from the 2019 gen con game we, we clearly just yeah, know everything we, that's happening at all times we called that early mm-hmm. it definitely and how dare you spoil it um <laughs> you jerk um go watch that video it's good yeah. um Anyways, Anyways, what are we going to talk about today? Today is a Galactic Council episode. Uh, The Galactic Council voted for a month over this one, and uh, this is basically a follow-up to our matchup series. Uh, Last time we did Soul versus Yin Brotherhood, which Mm -hmm. is an interesting, how do these two ground force titans take each other on? Uh, And this time we're, we're moving that into a new mechanical discussion because we're talking about Hakan versus Mentak. Um, oh, yeah, baby. This, and, and, and maybe the verses will end up being um, a misnomer here because it's it's more about the relationship the table will now have to interact with with Hakan and Mentak at, you know, in the game. Yes. Soul versus Yin is very much a matchup. Those two are going to, you know, they, they have a ding, thing ding, ding. that they're going to bounce against each other with. Hakan versus Mentak could be at odds with each other or they could totally work together or like there's a, there's a kind of a bunch of different directions this is this could go and so i I think their antagonism is more they're kind of ding 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 uh if you will if you'll allow me a ding 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 Uh go ahead Um, their ding 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 would be kind of above the it would be a kind of above the table ding 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 yes right some very, As opposed to uh, on the board, ding, ding, ding. Sure. Which it's is some the kind very of ding, meta ding, 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 ding. You would get with a soul versus yin, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yin, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Why do you do this to me? <laughs> I'm trying to have a serious show about serious topics. <laughs> <laughs> you said yin, ding, ding. ding. I know. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, let's let's break down some abilities so that we can actually kind of dig into. I think what the what the crux oh, of these sure. arguments are going to be. Um, yeah. So well, actually, do we do we want to start? I want to kind of start with uh, our shame and Ooh, okay. uh, go from our shame to our ideas. Mm-hmm. Because our shame to our fame, baby. Our fame, our kind of fame shame for today's ding 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 <laughs> um, is is how much. We've talked about promise of protection yeah. and trade convoys in the same breath. And I just want to be honest, uh, if I could go back to all the times we've talked about these two right. and just delete them from the show, I probably would. <laughs> I don't know what we've been on. Yeah. I don't know what our deal was thinking that it makes sense yeah. for Mintac to trade promise of protection to Hakan for essentially nothing yeah i mean essentially just a fat old nothing because train convoys doesn't do 
anything right and that and that that relationship of those two promissory notes really is the crux of the whole like argument and relationship right is like Mm -hmm. hakan are the trade masters and they will do all sorts of trading masters and mentak are they 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 stifle trade they they call it you know they they put it to a halt uh and so the 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 whole idea though between that promissory note swap is the idea that okay hakan is getting to stop being pillaged by mentak and what is mentak getting in return the ability to trade their two commodities with anybody that they want yep that's nothing that's nothing that is yeah that's nothing you're gonna get left out as mentak you can get left out of trade anyways just because you know there's the the classic the standard right now is the whole i'll you know if i'm not going to trade with you directly I would at least refresh you for a single trade mm-hmm. good, which nets Mentak a fat one $1. trade good. Yeah, it's useless. Yeah. And and so add to that the idea that if they trade with you, they may end up with two that puts them over three, and then you're just gonna steal it from them anyways. And it's yes. just nothing it's just nothing. Like no one has a reason to trade with you as Mentak, least of all Hakan. Yeah. And also, it's weird that you would... I think we had talked about the idea before of even just giving promise of... Like, you just want Hakan to have promise of protection so that they'll... I know. So that they'll trade with everybody what and so the economy will be healthy. <laughs> and that... 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 Uh, I no. don't know. Yeah. I don't know about let's, that. Okay, let's break that down more then. So let's let's talk about... It's funny because, like, this isn't... I don't want this to just be a Mentak guide, right? Because this is really specifically about uh, when Mentak and Hakan are at the table. But I do think so much of our discussion is going to come from Mentak's perspective. Because mm-hmm. I think in this situation, Hakan has all the advantages, right? So what we're, yes. when we're talking about the strategy behind this, Hakan is just like, man, just sit back and, like, let Mentak screw up their whole game and, and feed you more money. Um, well, I don't know about that. Well, I, mean, I, I, I just think I it's more like... likely that Hakan has the upper hand here and Mentak is actually trying to find a way to break the relationship and, and make, you know, t- take advantages out of what could normally be a, a really tough spot. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I think that Hakan, a smart Hakan, would be wise to try and uh, keep Mentak from stymying trade yeah. now i smart mentech like a good solid mentech player i feel like is just going to get around that on their own yeah and then that means hakan doesn't really have to worry about it because a smart mentech wants people to trade but and maybe i shouldn't frame it as smart because then i'm about to say a dumb mentech which is not really the way we talk on this show right um <laughs> a a different mentech might feel like it's okay to stymie trade which is there's two scenarios there. It's either a newer player or somebody that's got some crazy idea and mm-hmm. brothers send it on over. Um, <laughs> so I do feel like Hakan has to at least have their eye on Mentak, right? right? Like it, and a, a, a Mentak that's going to go into the game and end up uh, stymieing trade between players that will affect Hakan yeah. as well. And, and more so than the, than the pillage really will. Right. Right, the uh, Mentak's presence in the game is what hurts Hakan because then people just slow down wanting to trade, which is why we've tried to make the argument that giving Hakan promise of protection solves that. But it absolutely doesn't because everyone still doesn't want to trade even though Hakan makes... If anything, it just makes the problem worse because you've just made Hakan more powerful. So the argument for a Mentak that wants to stymie trade is the idea that, well, I'll at least slow Hakan down, 
because they yeah. won't be making as much money off of all of the trade that's been shut down. But that still just doesn't I, quite that that's not how you end up seeing it play out so, because someone will always break and they'll make the deals and Hakan will make sure money. Sure. But how about this? I got I have an exercise we could do. Okay. Let's do a quick role play where you'll be the cats, the okay. cat person, and I will be the Mentec, the pirates, mm-hmm. and let's try and buy my promise of protection. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh man um so could I'm we do it again we both... but you but could you could sure. you yeah i mean you started that, i know okay okay i i, I loaded up the the idea of the bit <laughs> yeah and then you know we could have done it, home, it like a smart Johnny. way that you <laughs> all right please okay uh, please okay. do the show matt please i'm do the, the cats show. all right um uh okay mentac uh what can i offer you to get me that sweet promise of protection i want to i want us to be on on a good footing this game and and you stealing from me all game isn't how to do that so how do i get that promise of protection off of you (laughs) (laughs) no sorry um uh so you want promise of protection Mm -hmm. well i would uh i'm gonna start at um a value of eight trade goods. Oof, How do you uh, respond to that? Oh, that, that, uh, that oh, that's, I'm just deeply offended. This is how people play against me when I make uh, <laughs> reasonable. Dra- I can't believe that. It's an insult that you would even offer me that much. Uh, no. Uh, th- how about three trade goods? No. How about six trade goods and I get to look at your action card hand and I want a card. <laughs> wow. Um. <laughs> yeah, I I think what we're getting, I think the point of this exercise is uh, what I want, what I want to believe, promise of protection could be worth is like a, is Hakan's trade agreement, right? Like six commodities, but when you dig into it, that feels like way too low, right? Because the mm-hmm. amount, the amount of trades, if we're talking about a six-player game here, and Hakan is one player and Mentex the other player, so there's four other players at the table. And if Hakan is even just do is just washing those people, right? One one trade good per person. Yep. Then uh, by having the promise of protection, Hakan nets four trade goods that that round. And they can do yep. that three rounds. They've made well above six dollars. Mm-hmm. And how much does Mentac make? Well, it purely depends on who they are neighbors with. Hopefully they make, you know, like four bucks. But again, is that wash even getting is that deal even getting made like Mentac's? whole thing is in question of how much money they make versus mm-hmm. Hakan knows they're going to make those four trade goods per round if not more we're, we're, we're setting a baseline of four assuming they'll yeah. like make a deal with everybody um so yeah six six dollars up front for promise of protection doesn't even seem like enough so i don't know i, I mean flip the script hunter what what would you take like what would you invest so, a lot in an early round to get that promise of protection? Or here's where I'm it, trying to get to get to with yeah. this. The price of promise of protection has to do with the opportunity cost of how many pillages yep. you might be missing out on. Right. And the problem with Hakan is that the amount of pillages that you might be missing out on if you give it to them could be 
5,000 trade goods. <laughs> it could be... <laughs> it could just be so much. It could much. be the most trade goods yeah. of uh, that exists, right. basically. So I, I am currently in the camp of... It's not... They can't... They couldn't afford to buy it off. Yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I think that's just, fair. I think there's not a price... Because they can game it more. Again, they have all the control. Once they have it, ball's on their court. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the one trade-off remember, to this well, I, is... I want to remind everybody of one clause yep, I in know exactly the pillage. After one of your neighbors gains Munzies or resolves a transaction. Yeah, any transaction. Any transaction. And with Hakan, if you're keeping your eye on them... That could be a lot of things. Yep. It doesn't even have to do with trade goods right. no more. So, uh, yeah, I, I I do not think that it's ever they're ever going to be able to pay you enough to make it worth it. Yep. Now, I mean, unless they offered you a crazy amount of stuff. Well, and or, here's, here's the one yeah. other thing. The fact that it depends on how much that final part of promise protection matters to you. If you activate a system yeah. that contains one or more of a Mentac player's units, return this card to the Mentac player. That yeah. could have some sort of intangible value to you. And right. that is the absolute number one factor you are going to consider. What what you could do as a Mentac, I don't think I specifically love this strategy, but what you could do as a Mentac is give promise protect promise of protection to your Hakan on your left and then do a support swap with your neighbor on your right. And you're kind of just now protected on both flanks. And like I would invert. I would do that the other way. But okay. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, do the support swap with Hakan and then give mm-hmm. promise to your neighbor on your right. And I would really only do this if I had a juicy, if I had a wormhole like smack dab in the middle of my slice mm-hmm. or like in my pocket or whatever. You know, if, if I was, if I knew I was going to have access to the wormholes to go mess with people on the other side of the galaxy, that feels like the play. Uh, yeah. But yeah, promise of protection just by itself to Hakan is significantly too much. And I think the argument, the line of thinking of like, oh, give it to Hakan so that you don't stifle trade so that then you pillage from everybody else. You have to flip that script as well, right? I would rather give my promise of protection to someone like a three commodity faction who mm-hmm. really, really needs that to encourage them to actually still make money. And the idea of Hakan still getting one less dollar out of deals, no one's going to bat an eye at that because they have six commodities right. to start with. They can give a four for three deal with Sardak knowing they're going to lose one and still like if that's the only deal they're going to get offered that round, then like they might do that. So sure. uh, the makeup of the commodities of all of the other factions of the table definitely has a big bearing on this. If you have yeah. Sol, Excha, and Hakan at the table, and Jolnar, like four, four, you know, three, four commodity factions, and then Hakan, this becomes a whole different can of worms uh, versus a bunch of low commodity factions and then just a Hakan. Um, so it gets it gets really tricky. So uh, again, I'm trying to avoid only making this a Mentech episode where we just talk about what promise of protection is worth. But um, I think yeah. it is at this point incredibly safe to say I am becoming more and more. Uh, I agree with you that like just don't ever give it to Hakan ever, uh, ever, ever. Yeah, yeah, ever, ever. Don't eat. Don't, don't, don't. And we will probably reiterate this when we do have our proper right Mentech episode. But yes. Um, 
so what where do we want to go with this next? We want to talk about <laughs> Dread Two versus Cruiser Two. <laughs> well, it's funny that this that this episode exists because I mean that that's the number one point of the conversation. But I do think we should talk about the the meta implications of both factions and what yeah. they bring to the table together, right? So right. Uh, Mentak is a much maligned, very hated faction. Um, that yes. just its sheer presence at the table makes people mad at you, and Hakan can can be that they can also be like the opposite where everyone just is right. super they're game. not they're not de facto that because there's something for yeah. if i'm playing in a game with the con there's something for me to gain right so um and if i'm playing with mentac there's basically nothing for me to gain so i think the two of you early on have to have to feel that out because mentac's right. success in this game actually depends quite a bit on how the rest of the table f- feels about hakan uh, and the table too. To the table and the table. Uh, if the table is also not willing to like let Hakan get away with anything, um, I think this is a game where you have to now like kind of start telling people you're not really going to pillage hardly ever. Um, yeah, and and like save it up for the late. Start pillaging in round four or something. But like early sure. rounds, don't stifle trade even more. I don't think that's actually to your advantage to like have nobody making money. I don't know. You could make the argument that like nobody making money means nobody has extra stuff, which means my ambush is only better as an ability because I'm only going to be up against smaller fleets. I think that argument absolutely can can hold true, but I think generally what you actually end up seeing is probably two players feel all right with trading and they're going to run away with it if you don't level the playing field and get mm-hmm. everybody making some sort of money to hold each other accountable. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I feel like they kind of have an inverted. Well, actually, I don't know. It's it. Yeah, it is really hard not to make this just all about Mentak because Mentak is where all of the swiveling is. Yep. Like with Hakan, the hatred that you can encounter, I feel like is really just akin to the type of hatred that you could get if you're playing as any good faction, right. basically. Exactly. Is like, oh, well, because, I mean, I feel like when we first, when when TI4 was younger, um, there was a lot of like, well, don't let Hakan get out of hand. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of, the game has kind of opened up as far as trade goes to the extent where it's just like, um, well, be careful about everybody, everybody getting, getting out of hand, hand <laughs> because basically everyone does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, true. Like it's it it really is kind of on that level. Yeah. Um. I I think a, a thing that a Hakan player, if we want to really focus on like making this about Hakan for a second and what how they should feel about Mentak being in the game is your number one goal is to make sure Mentak isn't ruining that ability for people to want to do the little trades, right? Yeah. Because that's where Hakan can kind of cut their teeth is like uh, just a little action card swap. Um. But like keeping an eye on where the trade goods are at and either making those little trades at the perfect opportunities when people won't go above. Like you can play against Mentac that way of only make tiny deals and be like, okay, I'm going to give you two trade goods right now. Later we'll do another small deal after you've spent those trade goods. Like we can, we can work around Mentac and because I can trade with anybody, like Mm -hmm. I can make sure you make the money when it doesn't hurt you. Um, and, and operating on that level um, is almost an even more effective path, right? Because because you have so many more uh, things in your toolkit that you get to trade with, 
you can make a point to not do any big sweeping trades. And it's all just about a trade good here, an action card there. A little bit right. every single action. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you, you can, I think that's the way Hakan gets around Mentak trying to get in their face about every trade. Yeah, I think what's what's tricky about the two factions having any kind of relationship with each other um, is that I feel like Mentech can always kind of pull the like late game, like, all right, well now I'm gonna be mean. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. like even if everything's cool with Mentech and Hakan at first, like let's say Hakan kind of negotiates, you know, buys up, you know, there's like the thing we've seen, you know, some players do where they basically like sell tickets to not be pillaged, right. sort of. Right. Um, and they, you know, they do it for like little favors, like refresh me and I'll give you a pillage ticket or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, it's like, there's a lot of really smart ways to incorporate that kind of stuff. But let's say like it goes a step further with the Hakan and a Mentak in the game where Hakan is like, all right, I kind of need to go the extra step because I'm trying to be a very deal-makey Hakan and you keep taking your tax and it's getting obnoxious. Yeah. Even if Mentak's like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna play nice. I'm gonna be good. Hakan really has no reason to trust Mentak because at the end of the day, on like round four, Mentak can just be like, "All right, well, I just got mirror computing, and I just decided I really do care about pillage, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that now." Yeah. And that's kind of just as you know, it's like you could say like, "Well, then people should slow down on trading." But then what if you know, stage two, sixteen yep. resources comes up. Right. Hakan's like, "You need the money just as bad." I want that. Yeah. So. Um, I guess I'm going to have to accidentally give those points to Mentak as well, right. basically. Right. That's the situation. I, I do think that that, that is the case. And, and to flip the, you know, I was saying make a bunch of little trades. You could also go completely the other way. And let's say there's mm-hmm. a Jolnar or a Soul or something with really, really good trade potential at the table. You could do one big trade with them every single round and have that be literally it. And the two of you right. make this agreement of like, listen, we're both going to lose a trade good. But... We're going to make all of our money off of each other. We're not going to go try to sweeten the pot everywhere else and let Mentak get too fat. Instead, it's going to be a six for four and a research agreement and an action card. Right. Every, you know, once per round. And that's just going to be where we make all of our money uh, and get everything done. Um, I wonder if maybe what we're finding like live in the studio (laughs) right now, if we're just finding that really when it comes to Hakan versus Mentak, it's really just not in Hakan's interest for Mentak to be in the game at all. And that actually it's like kind of a parasite host relationship yeah, absolutely. where it's not like they clash. They're not like Sol and Yin where it's like them, you know, versus each other. And there's a real fight to be had there. It's right. really just like, no, Mentak, it sucks for Hakan yeah. for there to be a Mentak and for Mentak to play against them. Right. It's not really that Hakan, like, I'm not seeing like, I don't know how Kakan gets like around any of this. Yeah. You know what I'm and saying? And honestly, I don't see like how the, the two of them the coordinate very well. Like, I, I don't see a great way for them mm-hmm. to join forces and like make the most of this money making situation. I feel like I used oh, to sure. have that yeah. thought that the two of them put could put their heads together and actually make a ton of money. Like Hakan could intentionally be making deals knowing that they're going to also feed Mentak money so that men I mean, I guess that exists if you're if you're like a Janor kind of player, right? Where you really do want to like actually make Mentak very rich so that they can then afford way more stuff and go hurt a different neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I guess there's an argument to that. That's when you do that support for the throne swap early. I mean, I honestly, I kind of do feel like that's the best way 
this relationship could go. And, and and I think that's how we left our soul versus yin argument as well, is like, maybe the two of you need to like, not deal with this the whole game and do a support swap like right out the gate so that then you are clearly focused on other directions. And, Even in that and can, situation that you're describing though, yeah. Mentech has all the leverage in the end. Because support swap don't mean nothing. I can pillage you all I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? If right. anything, I can, I can, if I've support swapped with you, I can more safely pillage from you. Yeah. Because I can as be long as my right cruisers, up next to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can't, you're what? You're going to throw away your support just to kill the one cruiser I parked yeah. over there? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's very much a parasitic issue that Hakan just has to like yeah, decide it is, what they want to do. It is host and parasite. So what? Okay. And it's just like, yeah. Let's go that way then. What do we do? What do we do with Hakan? Instead of it just, I mean, is the solution then that like Hakan needs to team up with Mentax's other neighbor like every game and just like let's dunk on this fool. Like let's let's just crush them into nothing. Like it that doesn't seem I don't know. The I right mean, Mentech Mentech isn't I mean, it's not like Mentech is a really great faction, but there is a tendency to when you're talking about them to almost talk yourself into thinking they are. Yeah. Because it I, I definitely are, think Mentech is a better faction when they're at the table with Hakan than a game that I, they're not. See, I I wonder, and I would like uh, uh, give me some give me s- some data out there, math 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 sure. friends, get yeah. out there. Yeah, uh, I, I think this re- the relationship is actually kind of similar to if Jolnar was in the game. I think Mentech is interested in Jolnar being in the game. Yeah, Jolnar yeah, wants to trade research out, agreement once. And oh, it's I kind agree. Of the same yeah, thing. it's you could take Hakan out and sub in Jolnar, and we could basically be talking almost the exact same episode. Yeah, actually. Um, maybe even more potent with Jolnar, depending on how they're playing with E-Res. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the well, fact... The big thing it, with Jolnar would just be now your neighbors actually matter. Whereas like the reason Hakan busts it wide open is the deals are going to happen literally anywhere. So if mm-hmm. Mentak can get centralized, they're making way more money. Jolnar yep. wants to do a bunch of deals, but th- it is still restricted to their location on the map. Yep, yep. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the the those research agreement deals are going to get really they're going to have a different tone to them with Mentac on yeah. on the doorstep. Yep. I think I think Mentac is the best example I can think of of a faction that feels like it affects the table and the relationship between the players more than it necessarily translates into it, them winning. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like it's like these things really change a lot of how each player has to consider um, their own strengths. Right. Uh, but I don't, it doesn't, it just doesn't always translate to, all right, well, Mentech's just going to win. Mentech is, I don't know. I'm, I, I want to play Mentech right now. Yeah. I like that's, <laughs> I have such a strong feeling of like, let's play Mentech. Yeah. Um, we have this, we have something else to talk about. This is kind of, this is kind of, I don't know if this is going to yield a lot of no. Uh, it's not much discourse. Bear a lot of fruit. Sure. Do what? Go ahead. Um, the yellow. They both need a yellow tech skin. Yeah. So that's something, right? This is a thing. Well, this is when they are neighbors. This does impact that uh, relationship oh, a bit sure. more. It's yeah. super. I mean, if if Wellen is parked between the two of you, you need to have that conversation as early as possible. Uh, yeah. Because one of you, either you both are going to trade it around, or one of you is going to get it and probably be in the much better position for the rest of the game. Yeah, uh, see, I think if I was Hakan, my I my goal would be to strong arm him, yeah. basically. Yeah, I, I think so. Is, is I mean, there, it's certainly worth noting that um, Hakan has the bigger muscles. Um, sure. Well, Mentech, it's hard because Mentech, Mentech has more scrappy. tricks. You got to factor exactly. in ambush. 
But if you plan for it as Hakan, your Dreadnought twos and like and having good, well reinforced fleets will stop a Hakan or will stop a Mentak every single time, right? Yeah. If it's if it's a Dreadnought and a carrier with a fighter screen and your own cruiser versus their two cruisers with ambush, like you're gonna win pretty much every time uh, in the yeah, space. Yeah. Also, combat. Mentak. Let's let's remember that Mentak is not very good at taking planets. Right. Much better at destroying ships yeah. in space. Um, but but also they will be looking for your stuff to to go jump on. Um, sure. So like the situation where Hakan leaves their home system a little bit empty and like mm-hmm. Camdorn is not very re- reinforced because you haven't gotten your infantry around. That's a major threat from from Hakan. I mean, for, yeah. from from Mentak towards Hakan. Like they they will jump on those opportunities to go mess up your home system. I think because uh, yeah. they'll have you know they'll, they'll likely get the distance from the cruiser twos pretty fast. And um, yeah, I, I I think the two of you are kind of destined to be at odds uh, all game, especially if you're neighbors. Right, right. Yeah, man, Mentech is just what a what a scary what little a faction. Yeah. In the game. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking about them like I just found out about them. Like, <laughs> I'm talking about them as if I've I never heard of this faction them. before. <laughs> yeah, and like, man, they seem mean. Why are they so mean? <laughs> My gosh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there's man, this is uh quite a lot of Mentac flavored content this week. This week, yeah. Um, yeah, this is hope- you're hearing this now, but we actually did finally get to record uh a an interview with Alex, which was supposed to be last month's Gen uh, Galactic Council episode, and uh that'll be in the feed actually just like later this week. But we talk kind of at length about Mentac in that episode. So Hunter and I are already just been like going and going all about uh mentac for like three hours now (laughs) yeah yeah actually it's basically all we've been talking about which is crazy that we could be talking about hakan we could have made a mentac guide in this time i could have actually could have gotten another guide done (sighs) well hey no this is this is the this is the prelude to that sure mentac will be coming up somewhat soon i bet that'll be our seventh guide like right after x shot i'll just be like man it feels like we're both just ready for a mentac guide i guess we'll just do let's just knock that one out start working on it honestly Um, I'm, and I just like cut the episode off. I'm just gonna press stop. <laughs> I'm good. Um, what, what, what do we, do we got anything else we want to add to this? I feel pretty good. I want to hear, I would love to have some errata specifically, because we didn't really do pre-errata for this one. Uh, we, we yeah. just like di- dived, we, we, we stalled it out last week and then we haven't, you know, we just haven't really had a thing, but I would love to hear more people's thoughts because again, I think this is an incredibly meta dependent conversation we're yes. having here um the the yeah, soul and yin was very open. obvious like how the two clash this right. is like man i don't know you tell me how your group treats this so i would love to just even hear some stories that we can include in next week's episode about games people have had with hakan and mentak and how that relationship sort of worked itself out uh because it also feels to me a little bit like this is one of those times where we're talking about a concept that's there's like there's this ma- there's all this great math mm-hmm. we could try and throw in yeah that we are just it, that is it it's is not outside our of our capabilities right. but if you have something kind of math flavored yeah. that has to do with mentac you know like numbers and stuff <laughs> um yeah, if you could throw some interesting numbers at us I would totally Well, I'm read sure that there are show. people that have some grasp on like the amount of you know let's say the amount of times like the amount like your average our, pillage our, 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 yeah per... our early conversation we had right which was how much is it actually worth to sell that promise of protection to hakan okay how many times does hakan trade in the game how often does hakan average. end up 
with more than three trade goods. Uh, well, Hakan wants to take trade a lot. So a lot of times they're just getting three trade goods right out the gate. You know, like I would love to see what that math equals out to of like the number of times pillage you could expect it to to pop on Hakan. Yeah, come on. I know there's somebody, there's a math person Feed right now the that they got out their book <laughs> and they're drawing Fibonacci's <laughs> sequence and they're just like, and then all the, in the in next week they're going to have like, you know, all these sheets of notebook paper on their walls with like little pieces, little strands of They've been mad at us for two years for using trade the term good pie to slice. When a they... picture of a furry with a question mark <laughs> and like, yeah, and then Captain Crunch, you know. <laughs> All right. You know what I want to do, though? Uh, yeah. I really want to talk about the end of the prelims. Hunter. The end of the prelims. 36 games were played, <laughs> and we've only talked about 33 of them. It is time for more tournament updates. It's time what to you- finish the story. <laughs> it's time to finish this. <laughs> um, I'll read the first one. Okay. Um, the, these, of course, were all uh, written by our on-field reporter, um, Space Lawyer. Mm-hmm. I said that like I did not know his name. Um, <laughs> but I do. I just said it weird because I'm a strange person. Um, this is game 34. The tagline is, putting the virtue back into patience is a virtue. Our boy is back. <laughs> the, um, he's back, baby. <laughs> uh our, the winner was Patience is a Virtue. I know, crazy. Um, he played his extra in the best one. So he didn't even, he broke the mold yep. in a lot of ways. Yes. So he came he back. Wasn't expecting, he, he wasn't even supposed to be in this tournament. Right. <laughs> and we had, in these last three games, we had late signups. Basically, we had like, listen, we've run out. We've actually run out of yep. list. And uh, we're now just calling for people. And he was available. And he had just played like, two or three games within the last like couple like two days like i think he had literally played a game earlier that day we put a call out of like hey we need another player for this game and he was like "Mm, okay (laughs) and then he won it with the it's the only extra win in the entire tournament the only time extra won was patience's virtue all right so here's our here's our first story this game is a good example uh, as to what effort some players and especially the moderators put into this tournament to make it happen the story of this game starts not on the 29th of February, but on the 26th of January, when the game for which the player Hedge Toward originally had, was signed up had to be canceled due to no-shows of other players. That meant for Hedge Toward that he had to play his game in a small cottage in the wilderness of northern Sweden. Oh because there was no Wi-Fi and no mobile internet at all, I don't know how I said mobile internet at all. Uh, He took the following measures to make it happen. He took a taxi at 3 a.m. to the next hotel with Wi-Fi in range and bribed the reception person to let him play in the lobby and use the Wi-Fi there. Since the technical setup in the lobby was not perfect at all, Hedgetord continued to have technical difficulties with his headset, leading to him not hearing the other players talk. When finally his computer crashed in the middle of the game, he was forced to a kind of play-by-forum style, (laughs) using his phone as well as pen and paper to write board position and stuff down. The moderator of the game, who was Katie at the moment, uh, who took over from Vision S, continued to send him screenshots of the board state and his play area via Discord and moved his stuff for him around. To talk a little bit more about effort, 
because this game had also two no-shows, two well-known members of the SCPT community stepped in, Quantum Octopus and Patience is a Virtue. And probably the most important effort of all, since this game started at 3 UTC, um, are more than charming ladies of the moderator crew, Vision S and I Am Katie, tag-teamed the moderating to make it possible for the game going literally overnight. In terms of the game, that was the prelude. That was just the prelude, yeah, exactly. <laughs> here, here is the overture. <laughs> In terms of the game itself, the first thing to mention is the hot start for two underdog factions. Ghost and Speakeasy managed to place two wormholes via IFF on Cornique Resculon and Zihan Delbutha and use Warfare to score four of the same trait in round one. In the meantime, Arborek with Tech in round one and Warfare in round two used Tech uh, as the first action in round one, holding Extra and Isarl out of Tech and used Warfare round two to take Mechatol and the Custodian Point. Despite not being able to Tech round one and having no green skip in range, playing from Gashfather, Isarl was able to pick up Magion Implants round three by keeping tech for two rounds with political stability. Also mentionable in the early and mid-game are some funny mistakes. Uh, L1 mistimed using Diplo round two and refreshed the planets he planned on using for either tech or warfare too late to get use out of it, and also wasted unexpected action on a counter that did not give him any opportunity to score. Oh, bummer. <laughs> this leads to L1 not scoring any victory points until round three. Ooh. In the meanwhile, Isarl's race for Magion was not really worth it since the Isarl player forgot to use Magion for the first two rounds he had it. That's that's worse, yeah. actually. <laughs> Let's move on to how the game was won by patience. The extra game-winning moves started in round three. After buddying up with uh, Isarl, Extra swaps planets and support for the throne with the goblins to easily score four of the same trait and get a point for the support. In the agenda phase of round three, the turtles also trade with Isarl to secure themselves Minister of Sciences and Crown of of Infidia Infidia, within the same agenda phase. Arborek was able to keep the pace with Extra by being the only player to score all stage one public objectives using an Imperial swing round without having Mechatol, which was snatched away from them by the Isarl before being able to play Imperial in round five. Swapping supports with Ghosts and scoring two secrets, one of them notably being Master the Laws of Physics, um, while the planets... While the plants... While, while the plants are obviously going the hard way, Extra, L1, and Necro are kept in contention with Found a Golden Age as the first Stage 2 objective. Extra's planets were very well defended with a PDS2 network and flagship online, and L1 had all the money in the world with their home system and playing from Daddy Warbucks. In the agenda phase of round five, Extra loses the speaker token for round six by a politics writer from Necro, but is able to get Minister of Exploration by dealing with the new speaker, Necro, to break the tie for them instead of L1. In the final round six, L1 is at six points with leadership, being able to score the new stage two objective, which is galvanize the people and destroy their greatest ship in hand with the extra flagship in range. Oh, easy. <laughs> All that they need is another point from a support that is surprisingly offered by Necro. The long developed instincts of patience tells him that there is something wrong going on with L1 and he successfully talks Necro out of giving his support to L1. We also remember that patience lost his tournament game last year due to a support-giving king-making situation. <laughs> um, you can check that game out. Uh, that's the last prelims game from game last 18. year. Yep. Um, Arborek is also 
uh, a contender sitting at nine points with a secret objective unscored. Because Arborek builds two dreadnoughts, the table is afraid that they have make an example and does everything to not let uh, to not let infantry in range of the Arborek dreadnoughts to stop a possible plants win in the action phase. In the end, it turned out the effort was unnecessary since Arborek had another secret. After losing the speaker token to Necro, Extra is able to pick Diplomacy with the fourth pick of strategy cards. This enabled them not only to Diplo their home system, but also to pull back their flagship to the Diploed home system to hinder L1 scoring Destroy Their Greatest Ship. Wow. With instinct training also ready to cancel unexpected action, the win was locked down for the Turtles. Nevertheless, Patience was afraid until the end that L1 or Necro will give their support to Arborek to give them the win because Arborek played a very friendly and diplomatic game to have themselves earn a kind of sympathy victory. But the Galactic Gods were friendly this time to Patience, <laughs> and he wins in the end by scoring Galvanize the People with L1 scoring before them, but no- but only being able to go up to eight points and Arborek being cut out of scoring by initiative order. Whew. There we Oofa. go. Yeah. All right. I love, I just love the idea that like patients nowadays in tournament games will have a win locked in, but he's like the one player in the community that's like, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is going on? I have to just like, you know, be as sweet as I possibly can to every right. single other player at the table. Cause I will not lose the meta. Does not want to get cheated again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, okay, I want to do uh, I want to do game number thirty five, the penultimate game of the tournament, uh, and this one is sometimes the rising tide sinks your own ship, and <laughs> this game was won by somehow my notes got tossed out, so I have to find it again. It was won. It was one. Ba, 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 ba. De sugar. De sugar. Soul and Turtles Paradise. Okay. Was De sugar as the Federation of Soul in Turtles Paradise. Uh, the uh, another Turtles Paradise win finally uh, after after <laughs> a pretty big losing streak for the yellow position. Um, but let's, let's see, let's see how we get there. Before this game started, another, (laughs) Space Lawyer has gotten very into his preludes, uh, the (laughs) the story before the story. Okay. Before this game started, the players agreed to ban the six worst factions to let all the powerhouses into the game. And this time, everybody kept their word and the players ended up with Jolnar, the Clan of Sar, Nalu, Federation of Soul, Hakan, and L1C1X, all in the mm-hmm. game. Starting wow. round one, Sol talks to Sar to keep their borders safe because Sol was pointing out that Hakan had taken a very good start and could run away with it. Sar accepted and turned towards Jolnar while Sol immediately got into an alliance with Hakan instead, swapping points between each other. Hakan let Sol use skill retreat to get ships in their home system to score cut supply lines, while Sol let Hakan take planets in their slice to score control objectives. The alliance was revealed public when Hakan accidentally sent a message about planet swapping into the public chat which was meant to be whispered to Sol. <laughs> uh, Sar tried to get the whole table to work together to stop the unholy alliance between them, uh, them and the lions, 
but was stopped by some expert anti-SAR propaganda uh, from Sol and Akan, who's, who pointed out how dangerous uh, the expansion of the SAR balls was getting. This primarily worked out because some of the other players were not that experienced, but everybody in Twilight Imperium knows that SAR is a danger. In round three, Clannisar tried to squeeze out a swing round to keep up with Sol and Hakan. They took Imperial, also to block it from Sol, who took Mechatol, and planned to take Mechatol as their sixth planet for expand borders. Because Sol and Jolnar wanted to take tech skip planets from Sar to score found research outposts, Sar talked to them and both agreed to wait until Sar took Mechatol and used Imperial to score expand borders. While Jolnar waited, Sol immediately broke his word and took Thibba from Sar. So Sar only scored the Imperial point after taking Mechatol from Sol. In the agenda phase, Seed of an Empire came up with a Khan leading with five points. Sol and L1 at four, Sar at three, Nalu at two, and Jolnar at one point. The table talked it through and quickly agreed to give Jolnar the point. Nalu used the opportunity to play a politics writer on against, and the voting started with Sar, who put all their votes uh, who put their votes on Jolnar as agreed. But next up to vote would be Sol. Hakan jumped in and offered Sol their support for the throne to put them up to also five points and vote four, so Hakan and Sol would get the point as the tide leaders. Sol accepted. A, uh, and Sol and Hakan both put their votes on four. Next in line was L1, sitting at four points. Now, Sol offered to give L1 their support for the throne if they would agree to give it back by activating a Sol system after the agenda phase had passed so they could also vote for and get a free victory point. <laughs> L1 agreed to that deal, and Seed of Empire went four, giving Sol, Hakan, and L1 a victory point, moving Sol, Hakan, and L1 to six, while Jolnar stayed at one point. L1 indeed wanted to stay true to their word and give the support for the throne back, but were talked out of it by Sar because Sol had a deal with Hakan to give them the support for the throne as soon as they got it back. L1 finally agreed to holding on to the support for the throne after Sol said they would be good with L1 keeping it because Sol would not be able to give it to Hakan, who was the bigger threat. Now, even more motivated to catch up with points, Jolnar managed to put... Uh, pull out a five-point swing round in round four. Having Imperial, they got one point from swapping support for the throne with the uh, the also-betrayed Clan Asar, then scoring Expand Borders for a victory point using Imperial. The Fishes then were able to score two action phase secrets by winning a fight against the victory point later and later unveiling their flagship. Last but not least, the, vishy, uh, the Fishy Scientists scored found <laughs> research outposts in the status phase, going from one point starting in round four to six victory points at the end of round four. Going into the last round, Sol had used his ongoing deals with Akan to set himself up to score several stage two objectives. When two tech in four colors came out, they were only one tech away from scoring it and winning the game. Now the Space Cats realized they maybe had fed the Sol too much and formed a coalition to stop their former ally. After Nalu picked Imperial, Hakan convinced L1 to pick Diplomacy to hold Sol from diplowing their home system and Sar to pick tech to activate it as soon as possible to give Hakan the needed tech to take Jord with Warfare. Sol's able to pick up leadership, and going second after Nalu, they pull every bit of plastic from their slice into their home system. Jord is now protected by two Dreadnoughts, two Carriers, 16 Fighters, and 22 Spec Ops 2s. When Sar pops tech as his first action, Hakan uses Jolnar's research agreement to get X-89 and researches Dreadnought 2 to get as many dreads as possible into Sol's home system. The plan is to win the space battle over Jord, 
pull the token with Warfare, use X89 next action, and then invade. So Hakan brings four dreads, one cruiser, one carrier, four fighters, and one infantry to the soul home system. Uh, the table provides their action cards to Hakan, so they're able to uh, use two morale boosts and direct hits while Souls Fighters prototypes uh, uh, get sabotaged. With both sides rolling approximately three to four hits per round, Soul wins the fight just because of the huge number of fighters they have. Oh, After Hakan's fleet was destroyed and Soul's fleet reduced to only some uh, ships, there's a small chance for invasion. If Plague kills enough ground forces on Jord, 12 of the 22 Spec Op 2 soldiers get killed by Plague, but because nobody's able to take Jord fast enough, nine of them are revived on Jord <laughs> again to secure Soul the victory in the status phase of Plague round rules. Five. Yeah, exactly. Plague rules. Oh boy, what a good Plague. Plague, um, Plague. Yeah, just, just a wild, uh, just that's Soul, man. Soul being Soul. That's great. That's a good one. All right. Here we go. Take me home, Hunter. This is the this is the only one that matters. <laughs> <clears throat> and with this, your prelims Space Cats Peace Turtles tournament coverage is ended. Final game, 36. The title is Milty Milking the Rift. Not my title. Um <laughs> Okay, sorry. I'm going to reread it. Uh Milty Milking the Rift. Special operations survive firestorm on Mechatol, a Nalu fleet defending Seoul to secure the win for the Federation. That's like the whole newspaper. That's like the whole front page that of the newspaper. That was an actual newspaper <laughs> one. Um, so the winner was Milty. Um, our our moderator. Moderator win. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good way to kind of close it out. He was playing a Seoul in Daddy Warbucks. What? So, uh, something's wrong. Um, there's something strange. <laughs> the first notable thing happened in the draft phase of the game. Well, duh. Um, despite Soul and Nalu making it through the ban, I blame Hunter for that because the last ban was Yin instead of Soul or Nalu. <laughs> oh, because I was telling everybody to Start ban Yin. Yin. Uh, I didn't say ban Yin instead of Soul and Nalu. That's crazy. Um, the first player to choose factions picked Muat. When the second and third player had picked their factions, the first player realized that he had made a huge mistake. He confused the nebula with the supernova and wanted to go back on his choice. Uh, but the merciless moderator, T.G. Welch, enforced the lay it, play it rule, or, uh, or better in this case, the pick it, stay with it rule, <laughs> which actually, that's canon now. Um, in... So he enforced that rule, basically. After the second player picked Soul, the third player picked Barony, despite sitting in Turtle's Paradise with a, with a green skip, and Nalu dropped to the fourth pick in Lil Bro... This is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the, this is not what we intended. This is not what the chef... This is not how the chef cooked it. Um, so so Nalu's at fourth pick in Lil Brother. When the game itself started, Soul hit the ground running with Warfare round one, uh, getting him into... <laughs> This doesn't make any sense. Um, with Warfare Round 1 getting him into position to take Mechatol Round 2, the Muat, who were holding the trade strategy card, accidentally refreshed Soul's commodities by clicking on his color at the trade menu. 
Uh, could be called a click it and get it. Yeah, this rule. is this is uh, TG Welch being an absolute uh, just like fiend for following the rules. I think even yeah, more yeah, so than either of us would have done in a, right, in a moderator right. setting. But he was right. he well, was I, he had set these for, ground rules up at the beginning, which is to say, when you're doing trade, when you click a person's color, that's who's getting that's who I'm replenishing. It. And he was unflinching <laughs> in in his dogmatic view of that's that. That's his rule. style. I that's his style. Yep, and 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 I call. you know for. If a moderator tells you something, uh, don't go crying to me about it because yep. they're in charge. All right. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, accidentally clicked it, enabling him to negotiate the speaker token from his Isarl neighbor. Um, picking first, so he, so he got <laughs> so Milty wasn't supposed to be in this slice <laughs> playing this faction, and then he gets random trade. He gets his commodities refreshed that he uses to buy the speaker token. This is ridiculous. Um, so picking first in round two. <laughs> so picking first in round two, Sol saw that nobody besides him was in a good position to take Mechatol. Um, it would have been amazing if someone had been. Yeah. Uh, Except for uh, some possible flank speed uh, shenanigans. So he took Imperial, <laughs> grabbed Mechatol, got the Custodian point, uh, one point off Imperial, and was able to score four of the same trait in the action Which is phase. also a hard objective. <laughs> this is ridiculous. If, the agenda fa- if I'd been playing in this game, I'd have been like, this is not, we should start over. Uh, if the agenda phase, uh, executive sanctions was drawn... And Isarl immediately played an Imperial Rider on against to force the rest of the table to either give them a victory point or to force themselves to an action card hand limit of three for the rest of the game. Good, good lucked out there having that Imperial Rider. Um, the, t- the table decided four, and Isarl got a really huge action card hand advantage for the rest of the game. Surprisingly, both Political Stability and Politics Rider were among the discarded action cards. Yeah. <laughs> um, in rounds three and four, Sol was able to solidify their grip on Mechatol by orbital dropping up to nine Spec Ops twos on the Empire seat, as well as buying Isarl Ceasefire for two trade goods. Moreover, um, when threatened by a plague action card from L1, um, Sol not only talked them out of doing it, but also swapped Ceasefires with L1. The agenda phase played into the hands of Sol even more. Arms reduction came up, and Barony would lose a lot of dreadnoughts despite spending all of their votes on against. So Sol offered to also vote against if they got Barony's ceasefire and a non-binding trade agreement next round. Barony accepted, and so at the end of round four, Sol has three ceasefires, two of them from <laughs> Scary Bombardment Races, and is sitting tight on Mechatol Rex. The sec- if you had stopped at this point in the story, if I didn't know who won... And you said that Milty didn't win at this point. I wouldn't. I would have called you. the police. <laughs> yeah. The second agenda of round four is mutiny, giving everybody but Barony, who has spent all aw, who has spent all of his votes on arms reduction, a victory point, and setting Soul up for a round five win with Speaker Token. <laughs> Why is he have Speaker Token? <laughs> this is like the fourth time it said that he. Okay, so he was speaker every round, I guess. Uh, with speaker token, Sol tries to take Imperial to win it in the action phase, but is publicly disgraced. Thank God, Sol. I would have been so mad at this game. Um, Sol picked politics instead, giving the speaker token to their right to ensure second pick in round six. Um, that's the type of play you can only do if you're that far ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, 
After stalling the table, Soul makes their move and scores threatened enemies and erects a monument to go up to eight points going into round six. In the agenda phase, Minister of War is given to Muat, probably to unseat Soul for Mechatol if needed because they're because of a 16 influence stage two that came up. With the 16 influence stage two on the table, Soul is sitting at 22 influence, seven from trade goods, 15 from planets, and is holding the Diplo strategy oh card gosh. in an attempt to take the six influence from Mechatol away from Seoul, Muat moved in with the War Sun and six infantry. The bombardment killed three of the 11. <laughs> the bombardment killed three of the 11 Spec Ops, two soldiers, and Muat tried to go against the eight survivors with their six infantry. Turns out to be a huge mistake because not only did they lose the ground combat, but they could have used Minister of War to pull the token and bombard once again before invading if they had not committed the ground forces in the first place. After Muat and Barony moved in, uh, also with a war son and six infantry, the Spec Ops, two uh, uh, stood tall once again and were able to survive bombardment and win the ground combat against the Barony soldiers. In a last effort, L1 brings six infantry, but could not bombard, since there was a PDS on Mechatol. <laughs> Bringing, I hope that no one playing this game is offended at how much I'm it's laughing. Just okay? <laughs> it's just great. This is just a very funny, this is just what happens. Dude, I could have been one of these. I, this exactly. is like stuff I would do in well, a game. The honestly. best part about all of this is this Mechatol, well, okay, actually, you're gonna you're about to get there. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, Bringing the second or uh, third uh, try, I guess, the sole elite soldiers win this last ground combat to secure Mechatol for the Federation. After having seen Mechatol burn and the fleets being crushed, the Asarl decided to end the shenanigans by playing Uprising on Mechatol to take away six influence from Seoul, bringing them down to exactly 16. Because Jord was well defended by 12 Spec Ops soldiers, who had shown their defensive skills already. Um, the only chance to take away Soul's victory was to take um, the other systems from them. Uh, Soul sent a total of six ships through the gravity rift to reinforce their systems and wins ne- nearly every dice roll against the um, obviously not so hungry rift. After Soul diplos another system with three influence, it all came down uh, to the only chance to take. New Albion away from Seoul, which was defended by the Genesis, uh, a cruiser and four ground forces. Barony had a decent fleet in range, but before he could get there, Nalu moved in by pulling a token with unexpected action. Nalu had to do that because they forgot to score Spark Rebellion <laughs> in a combat that they had fought and won before <laughs> beforehand uh, against Seoul. This is like an episode of The Three Stooges. Uh, <laughs> Nalu is able to destroy the Seoul fleet with the Dreadnought and five hybrid Crystal Fighter 2s, scoring them a VP to go up to nine points, but now is actually defending the airspace <laughs> above Soul's planet. <laughs> Next, uh, Barony attacks the system with two Dreadnoughts with non-Euclidean shielding, a carrier, and four ground forces. Because they moved the wrong Dreadnought, though, Nalu has no legal way to retreat and also no strategy tokens left to use Foresight. In the fight between Barony and Nalu, who had a Dreadnought and three hybrid Crystal crystal fighter twos that survived the combat with soul nalu tries to help barony win by destroying their dreadnought without using sustained damage since barony only scored one hit in the first round of combat to soak the three hits from nalu's first combat dice rolls barony decides to sustain both of their dreadnoughts to keep the carrier and four ground forces instead of uh 
instead of just two ground forces alive. It was, at that time, a hard decision for Barony because he had decided whether uh, he will go for more ground for ground forces to fight the four spec ops two guys there's no way they're gonna win (laughs) or for more bombardment to hopefully reduce the number of ground forces before ground combat it did not come down to ground combat (laughs) did not come down to ground combat at all since nalu scored enough hits in the next round of space combat to destroy the barony fleet so the game ended with the space combat won by nalu which secured the victory for soul to make it even worse with for nalu um with speaker token and nine victory points they would have won first next uh, in the action phase next round by popping Imperial and scoring Erect a Monument. What, what a that doozy. is the closest to... <laughs> I mean, that was like Charlie Chaplin, yeah. like Buster Keaton, <laughs> freaking Twilight Imperial <laughs> stuff. That was just <laughs> the goofiest... Oh, I wish, I wish we had a video of that. That just sounds... Uh, what hysterical. I love is the trend now popping up. It's two years in a row. The last game of the prelims oh, is, is routinely just the wildest train, just like an absolutely ridiculous game both times with just yeah. a completely unpredictable ending, <laughs> or in this yeah, case, a predi- that... unpredictable beginning. Uh, right. So, completely so very nuts. exciting. It, I mean, it's it makes sense because we post about these prelims as they're happening and and we just go and go and go and so by the time we get to the end as by the time we get to you know the last couple games the players are like well we've seen all the trends let's break everything to pieces and let's like ruin this toy and and see what that looks like uh so i i love that that's an aspect of these tournaments that there isn't like that the storyline of the tournament evolves over time so that the last couple games get to be like a reaction to the rest of the prelims Hilarious. I want to thank everybody that was in that game. And I want to thank all of the funny misplays that you made. That's like, this story is such such a a monument to how (laughs) just stupid this game could be sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's such a, it's such a little mess, really. (laughs) You know, like, it just could get so messy and so weird. And uh, this that was actually a really fun read. That was yeah. probably my favorite um, summary that we've yeah. had. That was that was really funny. Um, well, I want to thank everyone who took part in the entirety of the prelims. There were two hundred and sixteen yep. of you, uh, and we are now down to only thirty six remaining. So, just I mean, a huge thank you to the community for for turning yep. out for this yep. and making it something that is. Uh, something that Hunter and I are both just really proud of, uh, and and I'm I'm just very excited to see how the rest of these games play out with all of these uh, mm-hmm. very very good players. Yeah, I am looking forward to having new, you know, because obviously everybody that makes it to the semifinals gets some level of fame. You know, we kind of we will we, the these 36 names will will go they'll some of them will remember really good some of them will like kind of vaguely remember but like you're guaranteed to be somewhere in that range yeah yeah and then you know if you're lucky you're gonna be somebody that we just you know talk about constantly refer Um, to your style i feel like we just we're always (laughs) referencing back to this very specific pool of players and i feel like this tournament is where that all came from and that is where this resets and that's that's really what you're playing for, yeah. Which is, I guess, kind of weird to say. It helps us playing... define strategies as being under your umbrella, basically. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's very and exciting. And I feel like we're about to get a very different because we're at a very different time yeah. in the Twilight Imperium, the TI4 life cycle. Definitely, I feel like 
the game has evolved quite a bit from last year's tournament. Yeah. Kind of right from the gate, I feel like we noticed that. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what finals play looks like this year as yep. compared to last year. Definitely. Um, let's do the rundown, though. Okay. Um, I want to thank everybody that supports our Patreon, uh, regardless of level or whatever. Um, got a couple specific tier uh, stuff I want to throw out there. Uh, we currently have a, the first round of a Galactic Council poll. Um, I'm just going to summarize your choices real quick. If you have not voted, please vote. If one of these int- if one of these intrigues you and you want to join up, the Galactic Council is our $5 tier, and we would love to have you. Um, here are the choices for April's Galactic Council episode. Um, first one, what would a Dune or Root tournament look like? This is where we just kind of talk about mm-hmm. well, what, do we, what do we think that would look like? If we were going to do one, what would it look like? Not yeah. saying we would do one, but what would it look like? Yeah. Um, uh, one is going over the Twilight Imperium tournament data from this year. This would mostly be focused on the prelims, which we have the most data for. Um, but we'd probably look at everything and just kind of talk about things that uh, that we can kind of glean from that. Um, we could do a player profile episode on the winner of the tournament, whoever that may be. Um, that will have happened, hopefully, by next Galactic Council right. episode. Um we are, like we said, the schedule of episodes is going to get kind of fuzzy for a minute. So we don't know exactly when the next Galactic Council episode will be. It'll just be sometime in April. Mm-hmm. Um, honorable mentions. This would be if we decided to do an episode where we covered uh, players that performed well in the tournament but did not go forward. Um, there's a lot of, I think, honorable mention type players from the first tournament that we talk about frequently whose play impressed us in spite of the fact that they did not go all the way. Even people from the prelims that were really solid from last year, uh, we still kind of think and talk about. Um, And the last one is a kind of thought, a a theory crafty type episode where we talk about experimental tech paths. I feel bad, Matt, because I just kind of sprang this one on you. That's fine. No, I'm I'm game for it. I think it could be a a fun one of just like, let's go. Let's, what I would want to do with that is to talk about, let's ignore two tech and two colors yeah and yes. and unit upgrades and let's 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 say the tech paths were just completely open-ended what yes. would we want to see factions do instead that would be how i would also reframe that is like cool tech paths if there weren't tech objectives i like that oh, all right well yeah you seem game for it that's great um and then next year i want to talk about is hunter donaldson fam club that is the next tier um my stream is going to be on march 20th Th- that's okay for our tournament schedule right i forgot uh, to actually clear that with you well it, it yeah it works it's gonna be a, a late i mean your games are usually late nights and then we got a game early on the 21st so you oh, know that's fine you know no biggie <laughs> all right so yeah i will be playing uh march 20th uh probably around 6 p.m pacific standard time maybe a little bit earlier um since i have to be up early the next day um here are your choice your choices for the first round of that um I play on a rough draft of the finals map for the tournament. That's probably the one you want. Um, (laughs) The second one is a goofy idea I have called Twitch Plays TI. Uh, It's basically where I will just be your vessel, and I will let the chat tell me uh, everything, basically, as far as making all important decisions. They will all be just chat discussions. Um, The next choice is a fun one for Daddy. Uh, Animal Crossing, the new one, comes out on that day, and I'll play it for you if you want me to. Um, the next one is, uh, Warcraft three. Uh, there's like a new reskinned version called Warcraft three reforged. And I would be interested in like kind of checking that out. I don't know. I don't know if you guys like played a lot of Warcraft. I did when I was a kid. Um, I'm just throwing that out one just to see, 
uh, interests. And then the last one uh, is I play Twilight Imperium as a specific faction. So I'll just play a normal game of TI, whatever normal mm-hmm. means at this point, which is basically like, I don't know. Um, but I will play with whatever faction the club wants to see. So the thing with that one is if that one gets chosen, I will put up another poll where you can vote on what faction you want to see me play right, as. Right. Um, that one's kind of a just like, I think that I'll probably just throw that one in there a lot as just a placeholder. If you just want to see me play a specific faction, let's go for it. Yeah. All right. I want to thank our Space Kitties and Weird Bears. I want to thank the Weird Bears, Ponchadori, Fargonis, and TG Welch. And I would love to thank our Space Kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Umar, uh, I keep saying Firoso in these chats, and I know that you've changed your name on Discord, and I'm sorry. So oh, Polyphony uh, Requiem. No, I got it for you. I, Polyphony I for Requiem. You uh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. I'm sorry that I keep saying your name wrong in these things. And Julian Rwise and Necro Firewall. Uh, awesome. And Hunter, you got some. We got anything on the YouTube? We just you just finished the extra upload. I finished right? the extra thing. Um, I think I think the YouTube is at this point. I I might throw up it if I get a game. Um in before this weekend yeah i will probably play it with the goal of throwing it up on the youtube if i don't though you're um, about to get slammed with content yeah you're fine (laughs) you're gonna be getting youtube content every day basically starting saturday yeah yeah our Um, plan is to release the uh games um per round like we did with the finals of the gen con tournament so those will be like maybe a video literally every single day like the videos on youtube may even fall a ways behind on the on how many games are being played because we're doing two games per weekend for at least these first two weekends so like we're actually gonna like have a bit of a backlog here building up with the semifinals yeah. games. So those are going to play and if out you for could, a bit. Um, say a little prayer for my computer because <laughs> I'm pretty sure starting on Saturday, it's my computer <laughs> is going to be streaming or uh, like exporting the video mm-hmm. or uploading the video to YouTube in just a constant 24 seven, like for just the next 24 seven, six weeks. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, Chewing up the video, spitting it out onto YouTube, <laughs> uh, pooping out the new video, yeah. like all of it. That's, yeah. that's all it's going to uh, be. You can also rate our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us. Uh, the ratings help improve, uh, improve visibility, gets more people to know about this great game that we all love, and ideally gets more people playing it. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod or on Facebook, Space Cats Peace Turtles. And please be sure to join our Discord. Uh, the link should be in the description of this show. And there's all kinds of uh, reactions to episodes. There's ongoing tournament discussion. There's all kinds of stuff. It's just a really good place to interact with the community. It really has become the main place that we talk. I think when we started this show, we were very much uh, heavily involved in all of our discourse being on Reddit. But the Discord has only gotten um, bigger and bigger, and now most of our interaction with the TI community is purely through Discord. So come, pl- come, please be a part of that. Yes, yes, awesome, very good, very good. We've um, done it. I'm, I'm almost sad that the prelims are over. That's a, it's a too. wild ride. I mean, I'm, I'm exhausted and and happy for them to be done. I'm about to be more exhausted because our role steps up significantly in the semis. But, mm-hmm. but I, it's just such a goofy, wild ride getting through that many games uh, on one map and just there's so much stuff that is exciting to see play out. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I just want to say, I just want to end it by thanking. Yep. You, Matt. Oh, wow. Oh, why'd you do that to me? My heart. Hey, Matt. Hey. I want to say thank you. 
Um, you do a lot of the really kind of boring work um, that anybody really could do, but I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I also want to thank... <laughs> It's that was too real. <laughs> That's too the real. most earnest moment you've gotten on the entire history of this podcast. You did all the things that I could do. I just do not want to. Anyways, uh, I'm gonna go play root. <laughs> oh, also thanks to all our moderators. We yeah, love you, super duper. We thanks. love you. Kiss, 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 bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>